Blog Talk Radio. Happy New Year from everyone at the CAC Show. I am your host, Fringezilla. We are doing our first broadcast of the year 2015. Any moment now, we're hopefully going to hear from the all-star Amazon, Sarah Summers, who will be our new co-host for 2015. Also in this episode, we'll be talking to the red-hot comic book artist, Jeremy Clark, as well as Paris Kelly, who is a wrestler from Total Wrestling Explosion. I honestly have no clue why we haven't heard from Sarah yet, but uh, hopefully we'll be hearing from her soon. We'll uh, get to talk to her a little bit, and then we will go into uh, a few of our interviews. Before we do, I just wanted to thank the malevolent Melissa for everything she did for us in 2013 and 2014 as our co-host for the CAC show. Unfortunately, she's had to back out, as I've mentioned on this program before. Uh, She does have some medical issues, and her health is far more important than the show. Uh, Even though she enjoyed doing it, you know, that's what's more important right now. Uh, and also, uh, Brian, uh, the Florida Fall guy, haven't heard from him in a while. Uh, he's got some things going on. I don't know how many of you know this, but he just had a baby recently. Uh, well, not himself. His wife did. <laughs> Would have been a trick. Uh, so Brian's been a little uh, tied up, and uh, he might actually be joining us in 2015 again. We just need to get a hold of him and find out, you know, when his schedule clears and, you know, try to get him back on here. Brian was uh, actually a great, you know, addition to the show, and, uh, you know, Things happen, you know, when you have a baby, you can't really uh, do a lot of the things you'd like to do, like I used to. I used to uh, go to comic stores and do stuff like that all the time, and now I got two little ones, and then I got two teenagers, so yeah, I can totally relate. Uh, so anyway, uh, we will be talking to, uh, Jeremy Clark will be our first interview, and I can tell you guys right now, uh, he's actually going to be doing some work for No Gravity Studios uh, 2015 special, and uh, just talking over some ideas with him for, uh, you know, what he was going to come up with, uh, like all the ideas that we ran through. Uh, you know, he's just a really creative guy. The art he, he puts down is just, I mean, it's really second to none. I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about Jeremy Clark. And fortunately, uh, you know, we were able to get him on today. Uh, he's going to have a really, really busy uh, convention schedule and things like that coming up. So we're, you know, really lucky to have him on today, and that's going to be awesome because we'll get to talk to him for a little bit. Uh, he's going to tell us his story. Uh, you know, he's going to give advice for aspiring comic book artists out there or just comic book creators. You know, if you want to get into business, you know, this is a guy who's heavily entrenched in it and he's highly respected. You're not going to really find anybody that's got anything, you know, negative to say about Jeremy Clark because he's just one of those guys that's universally loved. And that's one of the, you know, main reasons we wanted to get him on the show is just one of those people that deserves, you know, the, the promotion and deserves to, you know, have their name out there more. So that will be great. And, you know, he's actually going to talk a little bit about, you know, the comic conventions he's going to be going to, you know, where you can meet him at, where you can get, you know, signatures, you know, uh, blank cover sketches, you know, whatever you're looking for. You know, I mean, he will more than be happy to accommodate you. Uh, and then hopefully, you know, like I said, we'll hear from Sarah Summers. And uh, when she calls in, she's going to be actually interviewing uh, her, I guess, sometimes rival from Total Wrestling Explosion. And that is Paris Kelly. And, uh, you know, she, same thing. She'll be sharing her story with us. Uh, she'll talk a little bit about, like, her all-time favorite performers in the ring, uh, including ones she's actually been in the ring with. So that's going to be a good, uh, good discussion. Um, we're also going to talk a little bit about, you know, how her and Sarah feel about the value of women in wrestling. Of course, it, it's, it's no secret that the WWE right now has, quote-unquote, divas that are not really, you know, presented very well. I don't think even they would say they're presented very well. Uh, so that's going to be a good topic to talk about with her. And, of course, there's going to be much more that we're going to talk about. 
Um, at some point, we're also going to talk about the NFL playoffs coming up. I'm a happy camper because my Detroit Lions are in the playoffs, finally. Can't sit here and lie. I, I really don't know. I really don't know if there's any uh, sane way of picking them to win in Dallas this Sunday. But uh, it could happen. Who knows? I mean, crazier things have happened. We've seen six-seeded teams before go all the way and win the Super Bowl when I believe Green Bay did it, and I know for a fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers have done it. So, you know, anything could happen, like they say, any given Sunday or, you know, any given Saturday, depending on where your schedule falls. So uh, we'll talk about that. We'll discuss a little bit about the dreaded authority returning to WWE TV, which I'm going to say this right off the bat, makes absolutely no sense. You, you hype up your Survivor Series pay-per-view that the authority is going to be gone or John Cena is going to be gone, and what you end up doing instead, or I think it was John Cena would lose his championship match or some garbage like that, but what you end up doing instead is two months later, you basically just throw everything you did for your, your big four, fourth pay-per-view of, of the year, the calendar year, which is, of course, the Survivor Series behind WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, and uh, SummerSlam. So then you, you, you just basically stepped on what you did. It was almost like, well, why'd you do it in the first place? It just made absolutely no sense. So I'm going to definitely want to talk a little bit about that. I know that our good buddy, uh, Andrew Browning, will be calling at some point. We might even hear from Scott Diamond. Of course, it's 2015. Scott Diamond loves to fill in some you know little jabs here and there. I I can't say too much about Scott Diamond uh, at the moment, but, uh, you know, I'll keep my peace and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll try to keep things on a civil uh, playing field with him. But we're also going to look ahead to uh, the box office season. I know there's a lot of big movies that are going to be coming out this year. Uh, I know that, you know, we're still looking, you know, quite a distance away from, you know, when we get to Star Wars and all those other great movies. But, you know, we'll talk a little bit about what's coming up, maybe a little bit about the Oscars and things like that. So uh, that's going to be, you know, fun times. We're going to all, uh, Enjoy looking at that and talking about that. Uh, I, I still don't know what is going on with uh, Sarah Summers. Still haven't heard from her. I know that she's supposed to be joining us. Uh, there might be a communications breakdown because, uh, you know, a lot of people had a lot of fun and, uh, you know, probably don't realize they had something to do today. I, I honestly, uh, a few months ago, I was supposed to do a show and I wasn't feeling good and I was almost like, oh, man, maybe I should take a nap and, you know, then I'll wake up and started to doze off. And before I knew it, I had slept for a half hour. And I'm like, oh, there's only an hour till the show. So, you know, I can relate to that. I've, I've been through that. Sometimes it happens. But uh, we are in our first show of 2015, which means, just like promised, we are back to our normal day and time, Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern. And, of course, our show will not always go two hours. I know it's scheduled from 7 to 9. Sometimes we'll go for the full two hours. Sometimes we won't. Most times it will probably be just about an hour, maybe hour and a half, depending on, you know, what everything we have to cover uh, I, I do know that one thing that's going to be great is the upcoming list for our guests is truly phenomenal. I can tell you guys right now, I'm looking at this list, and it, it, it's amazing. We're one of those lucky shows where you know we treat our guests as best we can, and we try to make sure that they have a great time when they come on here. We try to be accommodating, and you know we even will go out of our way and sometimes broadcast on a different day just to help people out so that they can join us on the show. You know, people have jobs, people have different things going on. Uh, so one of the great things that's going to be happening soon is on top of All-Star Amazon Sarah Summers being our new co-host, we're going to be joined by, in the month of January, wrestlers Cody Daniels, the former WWF Women's Champion Lonnie Kai, which I cannot wait for that because Lonnie Kai was supposed to be on the show April 24th, and unfortunately I was having health problems and we had to cancel, but that's going to be a great interview. I cannot wait for that one. We've also got wrestlers uh, Kathy Owens and Jennifer Justice, as well as uh, we will have comic uh, celebrities 
I, I like to call them celebrities because they're all, you know, big names in, in my book. I don't care what they think of themselves. Uh, but we're going to have Kate Carlton, who actually designed the CAC show logo. Thank you, Kate, for that. We'll always be grateful. Uh, as well as Raven Gregory, who's got his new book, Widow's Web, coming out through his new company, Broken Butterfly Comics. And that's going to be awesome because Raven Gregory is a great guy. He's like really heavily experienced. He's done a lot of work for companies like Xenoscope Comics and things of that nature. And you know, he's got a, a big following, so it's going to be great to talk to him because I know he goes to a lot of cons. He's got a lot of experience with cosplay and, you know, a lot of those issues that, you know, we really want to talk about. He's the kind of guy that's very open to talk about them, and that's going to be great. We're also going to have the return of the Dirk Lord himself, Dirk Manning, as well as the returns of Aaron Pierce. And I'm hoping that we will actually get uh, everybody from No Gravity Studios on here. I think we will probably at the end of the month because the first issue of Vapor is going to print any time now, and then we will have the issue probably, I would say, out there to people maybe mid-February at the latest. But we're going to try to get everything out as quickly as possible. Uh, we also will be joined by Gene Hoyle, uh, Nikki Andrews, and just announced, I just confirmed this before we went on the air, uh, and so, I'm sorry if I if I butcher this name, I, I always butcher people's names. Uh, Sora Shabao. I think I said that right. I hope I said that right. Uh, she is an amazing artist. I've seen a lot of work that she's done with uh, several people that have actually been on our show, such as Kate Finnegan, uh, Jen Brumall. Uh, so that's going to be another great uh, episode. And that one will actually be a little bit uh, closer to uh, February. I think that's going to be the February 12th broadcast, if I remember correctly. Um, so we're really looking forward to that. And right now we're just waiting for Jeremy Clark, and I think we have him. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome with me right now, give him a very warm welcome to the amazing artist himself, Jeremy Clark. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm glad to be on the show. Oh, glad to have you. I, I apologize. Uh, we I don't know if we're having a technical problem or if uh, something else is going on, but we should have already been joined by our new uh, co-host. So I'm sitting here kind of scrambling a little bit because, uh, <laughs> you know, we kind of share duties on this show, and right now I'm <laughs> flying solo. Oh, I'm sure it'll be okay. I can sit here and make jokes if you'd like. <laughs> That's always, you know, good because we need some comedy relief on this show. Uh <laughs> But, uh, you know, honestly, um, I, I, I want to give you a personal thanks because, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I have mentioned this. I'm sure I haven't mentioned it, but, uh, you know, you're actually going to be doing some work for the No Gravity Studios special. And uh, now we're actually going to have you actually on two pages of the special because you're going to be doing a pinup for us. Do you uh, want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I'm going to take uh, two of your characters, uh, do a pinup, uh, I think you said for the back of, uh, the, back of the issue that Al Garza is uh, doing a cover on. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing that, as well as uh, the uh, cover uh, inks to another uh, page that you had available for me. So definitely looking uh, forward to working on those projects with you guys. Oh, and, you know, it's an honor for us to have you on board. You know, my buddy Brian Wensloff, the uh, the Florida Fall guy who, uh, you know, as I said at the top of the show, you know, he had a baby recently, so he's, you know, kind of knee-deep in poopy, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he's been telling me ever since I've known him, you know, you got to get a hold of Jeremy Clark. you got to check out his page. you got to check out everything he does. And if possible, try to get him, you know, working on one of your books. And, you know, it, it's not just, you know, my opinion, but it seems like a general consensus that you're just one of those – guys that's just universally loved because you're very respected and you have amazing work. Everything I've seen of yours was just like, wow. And I don't say that for every artist, you know, everybody has their own unique style. And I think that's what's great about you is you have a very unique style that really kind of makes you stand apart from the rest. 
Well, you know, I do appreciate that. It's a very high praise, and I'm not sure if I necessarily deserve it. You know, I've had a lot of uh, people help me along the way, and it certainly wasn't uh, just me waking up one day and finding out that I could do this kind of stuff. I had a number of mentors that uh, definitely helped me improve and enhance my skills as an overall artist and inker, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't be where I am now without them. Well, I know that I've never really asked this question before on this show because I know that sometimes people might take it a little offensively because they like to be considered as one thing or another. Uh, but would you say that there's like a specific part of making comic books that you enjoy more than the other? Like, do you enjoy inking more than penciling or, uh, you know, do you enjoy just like the collaborative process more? Is, is there something that kind of stands out for you? Well, you know, for me personally, uh, I've come to find that doing double duty with penciling and inking is a bit tedious, especially because I try to do all of my detailed line work and hatching and feathering uh, in the inking stage. And so if I'm sitting there and penciling out a page, I tend to really get too detailed into it as if I was inking it. And then when I go back over to do the inks, you know, it's basically like I'm just running back over the lines that I did when I had started penciling. There's also a wonderful, you know, process to be had uh, creatively uh, with another artist. So anytime I can get on a collaboration or a project with somebody that, uh, you know, has something new or fresh to bring to the table that I haven't experienced before, it's always pushing my art and the things that I do, uh, you know, in a better direction because I'm always learning and evolving, I guess would be the, the best term. So for me, I personally enjoy, you know, the collaborative work, some projects. You know, there's a fantastic colorist that I use, uh, George Cortez, who uh, did some work on Inhumans and countless books for Xenoscope. Uh, and, uh, you know, I get to sit there and go on the screen sharing uh, process with him as he's in the process of coloring so that I can, you know, kind of put my two cents in on where I'd like to see particular hues in the colors or other such things of that nature. So it's a really great, you know, process to be able to talk and discuss options with somebody else instead of it just being a linear, one-minded kind of thing. Well, can you, can you uh, for our listeners, because obviously, you know, I'm, I'm entrenched now in, in making comic books myself, but for, uh, for our listeners that might not know uh, a lot about the collaborative process can you take us through that a little bit like you know once you you've got your penciling and and or inking done and then you pass off uh to, to george like how does that you know process work for you exactly i mean you don't have to get too detailed if you don't want to but uh i'm just curious as to uh you know like how that flows for you because like you said you know people do things differently well certainly you know it depends on the studio and uh who you're working with and what kind of project it is that you're, you're working on but um as far as my experience has been with George, uh, we kind of built this relationship where if it was a pinup or something that I was going to turn into a print, um, let's say we're not discussing sequential pages of some kind, then I have a lot more hands-on uh, with the colors, not in the sense that I'm doing the coloring myself, because I don't know jack squat when it comes to Photoshop and you know half the things that they're capable of doing on there. You know, The closest thing that I do on Photoshop is switching pencils over to blue lines so that I can, you know, traditionally ink over them. Uh, but when he gets the page and or pinup, depending on what the project is, if it's a pinup, like I said before, then I get on like a screen sharing program with him. We'll kind of discuss the direction that we want to see the colors go. He'll usually go and do a single draft 
which is what he feels would be a final product. And then if I need tweaks or stuff done later, he'll run edits uh, accordingly to fix any sort of things that I may want. Publisher, however, I don't nearly have as much hands-on when it comes to the coloring or anything past my stage of the production. Uh, Once it leaves my hands, then, you know, I don't generally see it until it's done, you know, in in a published form. Well, the, the collaborative process, you know, is an interesting thing with comic books because, you know, as we've we've said many times already, uh, you know, people do things differently. And one thing that, that has always interested me is, you know, there's different ways of writing scripts as a writer where you, you can write what's referred to as the, you know, the long script or the quote-unquote Marvel script where you basically just say what's going to happen in the story, you pass it off to the artist, then they break things down into pages and panels and things like that based on what you told them to draw uh, whereas to, you know, there's the, the, the regular, uh, I, I forget it. It's just called regular script, right? Where it's just, uh, you know, panel to panel where the art, where the writer, I know that there's like different names for it, but, uh, which one would you say you enjoy more where they kind of give you that freedom to kind of, you know, put your own artistic vision into it? Or would you say you like things a little bit more when you know exactly what you have to draw panel to panel? Well, you know, having creative freedom is nice, but, if it's too broad and too, um, you know, open for the artist to kind of interpret, then there might be aspects of the script that are lost in, in translation. So you got to have it detailed enough and specific enough from a panel-to-panel perspective that, you know, an artist understands going in, you know, what the general foundation is that they can build off of when, when like, storyboarding it out or putting their their thumbnails in there before getting to final rendering but uh you know for me personally i i kind of like the the marvel way of doing it where it's more of a synopsis and uh you know kind of allows for some creative freedom but it's not so loose that you know you're kind of flying around all over the place yeah what i've what i've already noticed with uh you know doing the first issue of uh of my book vapor is I, you know, I wrote a script, and once I, I see the pages that came back, uh, giving the freedom that I did, it really kind of actually gave me the fortunate situation where I could look at the panels and the pages that were given to me and then rewrite the dialogue to kind of fit those panels and flow a little bit better. Do, do you experience that a lot? Is that something that happens a lot uh, in your experience where you know, the script kind of changes a little bit and the dialogue changes a little bit to kind of like fit those pages better? Well, there are revisions that, that do take place. Certain panels may get removed or redrawn to, to fit, um, you know, a script better uh, once it gets to an editor. But there have been times also where you'll see, you know, some things change from the writing perspective that kind of matches the ebb and flow of the art so that it's a, a more um, cohesive whole. As, as a as a unit instead of necessarily you know broken down from writer you know to penciler to colorist and then it not have any continuity so at least that's my experience with the, with the projects that I've worked on it may be different for different studios but for the ones that I've been on that's that's kind of how it's been. I'd like to talk a little bit about the uh, the comic conventions, a little bit of the uh, the things such as like the cosplay controversy with you. But before I do, uh, I'm just a little curious. 
Uh, is there any like, kind of advice that you could give right now to anybody that's listening that like wants to be uh, a comic book artist, you know, whether it's sequentials or just doing covers or pencils, what have you? Uh, is there any kind of like, specific uh, advice that you think would really help them uh, to kind of get them on their path, uh, you know, to making it happen? Sure, absolutely. You know, the most important thing is honing your portfolio with only your best stuff and finished stuff. Don't bring a portfolio to somebody that has unfinished work in it because, one, it'll either convey the idea that you don't have the drive to finish a piece or that you're not capable of finishing them at a reasonable time frame. So putting your best work in a portfolio before ever bringing it out and showing it to anybody would be the most optimal thing to do. Also, uh, I was just having a discussion earlier on uh, Facebook. Uh, somebody asked me about some advice, and, you know, they asked me, well, what's the best thing that a penciler needs to have? And I said, well, uh, an- anatomy. You know, anatomical reference is key. If you don't have strong anatomy, then, you know, it may look flashy and slick and, you know, all of that, but, you know, there there are huge flaws in the anatomy of the characters, then everybody's going to notice it. Because you're constantly surrounded by people, everyday life. So you're, you you know how something is supposed to look. And if it doesn't look that way on paper, then it doesn't matter how, you know, fantastic the page looks if the anatomy is all off. That's actually all amazingly helpful advice for somebody because those are things that, you know, they seem like they're common sense. You know, like, like it's the same thing with a job. You wouldn't walk into a job with a half, you know, filled out application, you know, so you wouldn't want to do that with a portfolio, especially when you want to be taken seriously. Uh, and then, you know, of course, you know, you want to make sure that, uh, you know, people take you seriously. So you want to present yourself as though you want to be taken seriously. Uh, so, yeah, it's probably some of the best advice that's ever actually been given on this show uh, for the subject. So I want to thank you for that because and it's true, too. Everything you said is, is absolutely true because, you know, you, you guys, you know, myself included, once I started going to the conventions and, you know, getting my book out there is, you know, that's our livelihood. You know, we go out there and we're basically salesmen. We have to, you know, c- you know bring people over and show them this book and kind of convince them to give it a chance you know, to open them to that world and, you know, kind of like bring them into something that they maybe otherwise wouldn't have done, you know, so we're kind of in business for ourselves, but, you know, advice like that, you know, that's universal. That's, you know, something that everybody should do is, you know, just make sure that you're definitely somebody that, you know, is taken seriously if you want to make it. You you, you can't, oh, absolutely. it's not high school, you know. And and to touch on that a little further too, if you're, if you're looking to just be an inker, um, you got to be an artist first. And let me explain that a little bit. Um, anchors are, are in no way tracers, to kind of, uh, you know, touch on a line that a lot of anchors hate to hear. Um, you know, I think it's we, become known as the, to, as the banking curse. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're there to enhance <laughs> and define the lines that were provided to us, you know. That's like a foundation to a house that needs to be built upon. And so that's what an anchor's job is. You build on those lines that were provided to you and you enhance them in a way that makes it more dynamic. And so if you have no artistic abilities as far as, you know, being able to pencil your own stuff, then how are you going to know how to interpret, you know, the the shading or the, the patching that's attributed to a particular panel if you yourself don't know how to draw it? So 
the one thing that that I hate hearing is people who want to be anchors but lack the skills to to pencil things as well because you can't rely solely on what's provided to you. You know, deadlines and you know timetables and budgets and everything else may provide pages to you that are not fully completed and you have to finish them. And if you don't know how to finish them because you don't have any sort of penciling skills, then you won't know how to ink it. And I think that's a really important thing for people to understand and acknowledge out there uh, when it comes to that particular side of the comic industry. You know, there's three different kinds of inkers. There's there's overlaying inkers, and those are basically what's like 90% of the industry. They follow the lines, they, they make it stronger and more defined, and they don't deviate too much off of the original pencils. But then there's the other two. You got disaster anchors and dream anchors, and let me uh, kind of touch on the disaster anchors. <laughs> disaster anchors is exactly what it sounds like. You know, they they turn what the penciler provided to you into a disaster, a complete mess. You know, they don't know how to render the light source properly or feather in a way that contours to the curves of the body structure. So you just have lines going around all over the place for no other reason than to put lines there because they, they think it's some sort of a texture technique when it's not. Uh, but then you got the, that 10%, which is the dream anchor. You know, those are the guys like Danny Mickey and, uh, you know, Joe Sinat or, uh, I mean, I, I, Jonathan Glapian. Uh, th- these are great guys. Uh, Joe Weems, who, you know, take a page and, you know, turn it into gold, basically. And there's a very small percentage of those guys in the industry, mainly because, you know, once again, there's budgets and time constraints and everything else, and they can't be on every single project, so you got to get people from somewhere. And that's why you either got to be that nice overlaying anchor or strive to become a dream anchor. Lately, I've seen a lot of these disaster anchors <laughs> kind of running amok, you know, trying to break in but not understanding and all the background and concepts that go into it. So, you know, I kind of got a little winded there, but I wanted to definitely touch on that, uh, you know, in case there's anybody listening out there that wants to uh, kind of pursue, pursue this career. So, Well, I absolutely agree with you, though. I mean, I've, I've, you know, on Facebook, you, you know, even on DeviantArt, you have the opportunity to see all kinds of different styles. And a lot of times you'll see amazing pencils that have been done by famous artists such as like David Finch or, you know, whoever, and you'll see somebody put their inks on there. And it's just, I mean, you can't even tell the pencils afterwards because there's so much heavy ink blottage. And it just seems like the people that are doing it a lot of times don't realize that, like you said, you know, it's, it's much better to kind of like add those extra layers as opposed to like completely change what it looks like. Oh yeah. And, and I've, commented on some of those posts uh, over the past couple months now. I've joined a lot of uh, inking groups online and, you know, people are wanting to have you critique their work and, you know, I've seen a lot of different shades (laughs) of styles out there, good and bad. Um, But you're absolutely right. They they choose really renowned pencilers like David Finch who have a very distinctive style to their penciling and they don't replicate it well, and it, and it's very obvious. And so, you know, if you're going to do that, you got to be able to understand, you know, how they're basically making their lines. 
Otherwise, you're going to go all over the place and it's going to completely transform those pencils into something that it wasn't supposed to be to begin with. Yeah, it's a shame, too, because, you know, your job as an inker, like you said, you know, is, is to, you know, define it a little bit better and kind of add those layers and, you know, exactly what we talked about. And, you know, it, it's a shame when you kind of get lost in that. I think a lot of people just kind of get a little overzealous and they just want to, you know, jump into the industry. And I've had this conversation, believe it or not, Jeremy, with people who literally, uh, painters, for example, who think that just because they charge six, $700 for a painting means that they can walk into the comic book industry and start demanding that for, you know, independent publishers that are just trying to get a book made and want a nice cover. And then they expect that that independent publisher who's pocketing every, you know, everything that's, that's being produced is out of pocket. They can't afford to, you know, pay $700, you know, a, a thing. And you try to talk to some of these guys and they get all offended, but, you know, they just don't realize it's like any industry. You can't just walk in and, you know, command high prices. You kind of have to work at it and, you know, hone your craft and, you know, kind of earn that spot. It's like Jim Lee, this one guy tried to tell me, he's like, yeah, well, Jim Lee, you know, Jim, look at Jim Lee. He makes, you know, that kind of money. I'm like, yeah, but Jim Lee has decades of experience under his belt, you know? Well, and, and speaking about Jim Lee, he, you know, started from the very bottom. And he had to work very hard to get to where he is now. Um, people just assume that, you know, he woke up one day and was there. But it took many years, went through a number of different studios before he even got there. And, uh, you know, there's been some posts on Facebook as well of, uh, you know, these great guys posting their uh, their rejection letters from, like, Marvel and DC from when they were trying to break in. And you wouldn't believe it, but there's a lot of these really famous guys now who were getting rejected just as much as the rest of us. And you gotta you gotta push through that and have some perseverance. Otherwise, you know, if you just take it for what it is right at that point in time and you don't try to, you know, become better as a result of it, then you're never gonna make it. And rejection comes in all forms and if you don't think you're going to get rejected at some point, you're wrong because everybody gets rejected at some point. It's just how you address that rejection and how you move forward that, you know, really defines who you are. Again, I, I totally agree with you. And I think that, you know, you hit on a good point, you know, with those rejection letters, because I think it was Todd McFarlane who recently did that, where he posted like, I think he had a 300 or something rejection letters, and he put them all up on a wall and took a picture of him smiling next to it. And that's one of the most successful guys in our industry, you know, with, with Spawn and how big Spawn was through the 90s. I know Spawn's not as huge as it was before, but I, I think that a lot of people, whether they, you know, like the guy or not, you know, they, they, they can't help but, you know, respect everything that he's done and how far he's come. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that comes in many forms, but, you know, he's not the only one. There's been a, a lot of uh, people that have had those rejection letters and have worked through it and, you know, become very successful as a result. So, once again, it comes with who it is that you have mentoring you, who helped you along the way, building those relationships with other people that are in studios and sort of, uh, you know, kind of working your way, clawing your way, really, up to the top. And, you know, if you have the drive to do so, then you can be as successful as you want to be because you're constantly learning and developing as an artist anyway. So it's just all part of the, the whole plan as an artist. Well, you know, we're almost out of time uh, here, but uh, you know, real quickly, I just wanted to ask you, uh, do you, I, I mean, we know you're an amazing artist. 
But do we see, uh, or are we going to see any, uh, you know, writing credits with you uh, in the future anytime soon? I mean, is that something you're going to dabble in? Uh, writing, I, I would like to at some point, but probably not until I've fully established myself, uh, you know, as an anchor and, you know, doing some more pencil work so that I might have a creator-owned project, you know, with a, an original IP uh, related to that suggests me that I can probably turn into, you know, one shot or something of that nature. But, uh, you know, as far as conventions and stuff that you can see me at this uh, this upcoming year, I've got three coming up here in January with uh, the New Orleans Comic Con first. And, uh, you know, it just kind of takes off from there. I believe, last I checked, I was slated to do 26 shows this next year. So at some point I should be <laughs> in a region of the U.S. that, you know, hopefully all you guys can come out and uh, see me and hang out and chat a little bit and uh, pick up some new stuff from the projects that I'm working on, which, uh, if you don't mind me pitching, I just uh, began a new project with uh, Aaron Moore on RIA. I'm doing the one with you. Uh, and I've also been working on a graphic novel called Flowery Flag Devil, uh, which is currently 20-something pages in, so... Uh, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff out there, but uh, I'll be doing the pencils and inks to issue five of uh, Urban Legends, uh, which is Jeff Falke's, uh creator-owned project. Uh, he's a colorist for Xenoscope and did Grim Perry Tales and stuff for a long time. So, you know, that's just one of the many projects that I'm going to be on. Yeah, I'm excited about the RIA because I'll be writing uh, a short story for that, and I'm actually going to be doing a one-pager. And I thought of this idea and uh, pitched it to Aaron, and we both – and I wrote this thing. But when I pitched it to him, I literally busted out laughing at the same time he did right when I was finished because it's just such a ludicrous idea, and it's something that I, I just can't imagine – you know, what people have been thinking to not do this idea already because it is something really funny and really quick that you could do in one page. Uh, so I'm, <laughs> I'm really curious to see how, uh, you know, how it's received. But uh, you're definitely going to be one of the people who, uh, you know, gets to look at it first because I'm really interested, especially with the conversations that we've had, uh, I'm really interested to see your opinions on it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, I'll be happy to take a look at it for you. And uh, just one other little quick shout-out to the people in my hometown here in Dallas. I'm actually doing a show uh, here in North Dallas at the end of the month in January. Uh, on the 24th and 25th at uh, Blake Ovard, uh, Rick Buckler, uh, Joe Rubenstein, and a number of other fantastic people are going to be at. And uh, Blake and I actually did a Q&A together at a show earlier in 2014. And uh, him and Tug are really cool uh, friends of mine. And you know, hopefully we'll be able to be on another Q&A uh, together in 2015. So that's just a quick little pitch for the people back in my hometown. Oh, Blake's a great guy. We've had him on the show uh, earlier in the year. Amazing guy. He does so such good, you know, honest uh, – you know, he's one of those guys that really touches my heart, you know, because he's very selfless and, and just an unbelievably giving guy. Uh, and, you know, actually, speaking of Dallas, um, I, I, I take it you're probably going to try to hit up the, uh, the Cowboys-Lions game then. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's the game plan. Try to get out there and, uh, you know, shout and curse like all the rest of the uh, individuals <laughs> out there in the crowd. Hopefully, you know, I don't spill too much beer along the way. Uh, but, <laughs> like, uh, I was actually talking to a fellow artist earlier, 
this evening, and I was like, man, I'm still in recovery mode from last night, so hopefully this, uh, I don't sound too bad here on the, uh, on the air. <laughs> no, you've, <laughs> you've done really well, and, and, and personally speaking, you know, being from Detroit and living in Detroit and everything, uh, yeah, born and raised here, you know, we're long-suffering Lions fans, so, you know, we're all looking at it like, well, we're playing on Sunday, it doesn't mean we're going to win, but at least we get to play, <laughs> Well, you know, it was funny because I was actually uh, hoping that uh, the Packers lost that game uh, between uh, the Packers and you guys. And that was mainly because I know how Aaron Rodgers' injury has been hindering him recently. And I was like, well, we might have a better shot at beating them with him crippled than uh, <laughs> having a you know, healthy Lions team. So, I don't know. I was, I, was, I was rooting for you in that game, ironically enough, just uh, for my own aspirations, I suppose. Well, you know, it, it promises to be a good game one way or another because, you know, both teams are hungry, uh, both are deserving. You know, the Cowboys, yeah, people can hold it against them, but they've been a great team for so long. But, you know, the last few years they've been kind of swimming in mediocrity. So it's good to kind of see them, you know, get back. I mean, they're America's team, and whether you're sick of them or not, you know, they usually present at least, you know, good games. So, you know, at least it, it, we've got that. Uh, if you do make it there, I'm going to be looking for you in the crowd because I know what you look like. And it's not a, it's not a stalker comment. I'm just I'm curious because I've seen people here in Michigan, you know, at Ford Field uh, in the crowd once in a while, and it always kind of gives me a, a little bit of a chuckle, like, hey, I know that person. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, I'm bound to do something stupid enough that I'll get me on their big Jerry World Megatron TV. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> One can only hope, right? <laughs> All right, Jeremy. Well, I I really want to thank you so much. I know it was very last minute for you to join us. Uh, you know, I didn't give you much time to uh, get everything together, but uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us. And definitely, you have a free stand anytime you want to, uh, you know, come on, promote anything you got coming up, any conventions. Uh, even if you want to just call in for like two minutes to just say, hey, guys, I'll be at this place or this place this weekend or whatever, please feel free, man. We'd love to have you back. Yeah, no, I was I was happy to be on the show. I do appreciate it, and uh, I will most certainly be back with probably a more prepared <laughs> series of answers for you than the ones that I had today. But uh, yeah, if you guys will have me back. I'll be happy to to come back and chat some more with you. Oh, that sounds great, my friend. And uh, good luck at all your uh, conventions coming up, your appearances and everything. And uh, definitely you'll be hearing more from me because I'm going to be uh, you know a constant nag in your ear about uh, <laughs> you know the work you're doing for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm sure uh, we can we can do another pitch on uh, one of the No Gravity <laughs> Studios projects. So I look forward to hearing back from you. <laughs> one thing every artist wants to hear, the check is in the mail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, probably the worst thing you want to hear is that it's a check. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you know, PayPal, for, for the record, for all you listeners out there. That's the, uh, that's the dominant form of payment that I accept. <laughs> <laughs> it should be the only payment actually. <laughs> yeah, no no cashier's checks. I don't I don't need the money in the mail. <laughs> but yeah, yeah what you, uh, you can check out any of my stuff, uh, you can go to jeremyclarkart.com and uh, all my commission info and uh some original pages from various projects that I've been on are on there as well as uh, my prints. So another way to go take a look at my stuff. Absolutely. I hope everybody checks that out. And uh, you're on Facebook as Jeremy Clark. Do you have a fan page on there as well? I do not. Uh, you know, I figure there's no reason to have a fan page unless I'm maxed out on friends. So by all means, come join the personal page and, uh, you know, you'll be getting everything that everybody else is getting. And that's at uh, facebook.com backslash Jeremy Clark Art. So everything is under that Jeremy Clark Art uh, tag, including my Twitter 
and uh, everything else. So if you Google me under Jeremy Clark R under Jeremy Clark Comic, I should be like the first eight search results, so you can't miss me. Well, happy new year to my to you, my friend. I'm so happy that you joined us today. Thank you so much, and we will definitely be talking to you again soon. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Take care. Thanks, buddy. Bye. All right, everybody. That was our good friend, Jeremy Clark. I'm so happy that we were able to get him on the show. He is such a highly talented guy, and everything he said, especially about when he was talking about you know breaking into the business, is stuff that really is great advice and very useful. So if you want to break into the comic book industry, definitely listen to this episode, re-listen to it, whatever you got to do, because that advice, trust me, is priceless, and that's coming from a true pro. Uh, so, uh, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and move to our next interview because our next guest has been patiently waiting on the line, and I very much appro- uh, want to uh, apologize for that. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, right now, please welcome with me the, excuse me, the um, I, it's Total Wrestling Explosion. I'm not sure where they're from, but at Total Wrestling Explosion, they do have a Facebook page, so you can check them out there. Please welcome Paris Kelly. Hey, how are you guys Hi, Paris, doing? How you doing? Pretty good. How are you? Uh, we're actually doing pretty good. Uh, fortunately, I'm not one of the people that's allowed to drink, so I'm not uh, hungover or anything. So I'm actually having a good day. That's always a plus. That is always a plus. <laughs> it, it sure is because I know many, many people who I tried talking to them today to say Happy New Year, and they're all like, "Oh man, call me tomorrow." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not hungover either, so, plus, I mean, I'm not old enough to drink yet either, so, you know. <laughs> well, that's a plus, too, so, <laughs> following the rules, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, un- unfortunately, we uh, we still haven't heard from Sarah. I don't know if, uh, you know, she had a prior engagement, if she's just held up and hasn't had a chance to call, but, uh, you know, I've tried messenger her a few times, and I can't get a hold of her, so uh, I guess I'll be con- conducting this interview, if that's okay perfectly fine i know i try to get hold of her also and i was like what am i supposed to do and i haven't heard anything from her so i don't know (laughs) she might be one of the inebriated few that's still uh trying to sleep off the new year (laughs) no i think it's because she's scared of me you know that's probably what it is Uh uh-oh well you know stretch on that a little bit you guys have been in the ring together uh correct me if i'm wrong uh more than once Oh, yeah, a lot of times. Like, this is our sixth go-around on uh, January 10th. And, um, I mean, as much as I hate her, I love her also. I mean, you can't help but to love her. She's freaking crazy. But, yeah, I mean, we've had a – we travel around Mississippi and Tennessee area, and um, we have wrestled a lot. And, I mean, we always have a good match. So, even with – her husband, or I think it's her husband, maybe it's her fiance, but um, Billy Hills, I'm sure you've heard her talk about him. My uh, my boyfriend and him wrestle also. We just, like, travel around and just, we always have a good match. And even whenever we tag, we always have a good match. And it's a funny match also. You can't help but to laugh. <laughs> well, Sarah's got a you know one of a kind personality. Uh, I, I haven't actually met Billy uh, or Cody, who actually Cody, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, will be on the show next week. Uh, so I'm pretty much looking forward to that. I mean, what's that like when the four of you are in the ring together? Is that just all out chaos? Yeah, it definitely is because I mean, like I said, you can't help but to laugh because Billy Hills and Sarah, they are both just 
all out funny. When they get in the ring, they have like a sassy attitude and and it's just it's funny. I mean, we have everybody laughing. We actually had an all out like brawl match and um we were all over the stage hitting each other, slamming each other into walls and they would like hold my head and would just say just like stupid fans laugh and that's what I love. You know, is whenever the fans get into it and they just always, you know, just laugh at the comedy spots that we do and I think that's just what it all what it all should be like. You know, it's all about the fans having fun. It shouldn't be all just serious. And, I mean, people have different views on that. But to me, I mean, it's just having fun. Well, I think you can agree to the fact that when you're in the ring, you're telling a story. So if the story is just action, it's going to be a little dull for the fans. You want to give them as much as you can. Right. Exactly. Now, would you say that Sarah or uh, – actually, you know what? Here, here's a better question. Uh, the last time Sarah was on the show, because she's been on the show several times, but the last time she was on the show, we got into talking a little bit about you know, male versus female you know, mixed wrestling, and a lot of that happens on the independent scene. And she said that you know, she really likes the fact that when she gets in the ring with a lot of these guys, they overestimate her, or underestimate her, rather, uh, because they think, oh, she's just going to be you know, that typical dainty female that won't be able to hang with a guy. And yet she goes in there and literally beats the hell out of a lot of these guys. Would you say that that's something that you agree with, that uh, you can hang with any of the guys and that you welcome the chance and you enjoy doing that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I love, and I'm sure some people are going to think differently, but I love wrestling guys more than I do girls because you can do bigger moves and and um, and it's just it's fun. And, I mean, guys, they really do underestimate you because – I mean, if you look at it, guys don't really like females being in the wrestling business because they think it should be an all-male sport. When really, I mean, some girls can wrestle better than guys and some girls are buffer and bigger than guys. And, I mean, you, you do have to earn that respect from the guys. And that's what I like is whenever I get in the ring, I try to earn the respect from the guys. And there was a lot of times where they're like, oh, well, you know, you're so short, and I didn't realize that you could you could do all this. And I'm like, well, yeah. So, I mean, you really do have to earn the respect, and it's very, it's very, um, I don't even, I can't even think of the word, but, I mean, it feels great to have that respect from the guys after you get in the ring with them. Well, you know, the, the, the wrestling business, you know, I think now, especially with the independent scene, has the most talented females that we've ever experienced. And I think that it, it, it's a testament to the fact that you had women, you know, great female athletes that were such huge role models for men and women, such as Trish Stratus, Lita, uh, you know, you could even throw Jazz in there and Victoria, you know, all those women that really, you know, brought women's wrestling finally to the f- forefront with WWF, or WWE, however you want to call it. Especially I'm supposed to call it WWF because to me, WWF been watching since 1980. So, uh, but it just—it's one of those things where I'm sitting here going, you know, as much as I love, you know, the female wrestling right now, the WWE product for females and this whole divas thing. And we just talked about this recently with, you know, Sunny Glow from uh, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, and we talked about it with Pandora a few weeks ago about how a lot of the women that break into the industry today, you know, they kind of feel like, you know, if I look hot, I can, you know, kind of like just scoot all the way and get to a WWE ring and make a lot of money, and then they get, you know, pigeonholed in the fact that they don't have much talent. Whereas then you've got women who have torn down the rings and had to set up the rings and set up the chairs and do the grunt work and then get in the ring and learn 
learn and, you know, really bust their asses to earn the respect. Um, do you think that that's something that every woman who breaks into the industry should kind of uh, almost be like, uh, you know, like a mandatory thing where they kind of have to, you know, earn their stripes instead of just, oh, you're pretty, here you go, here's a match? Almost definitely, because there was a time where I was wrestling a girl, and she told me that, you know, she's been wrestling for like four or five years. And I was like, okay, well, that would be good. And, I mean, it was kind of a shame on me also because I wasn't looking at the fact of, like, her wrestling videos. Because I would ask her, I'd be like, okay, so um, where's your wrestling videos so I could see what you can do and I could try to come up with something for us. And she's like, oh, well, you know, I don't have one. And I was like, um, okay, well, you know, that's kind of weird. But, you know, I was just like, they'll still bring you in. And I was like, and you could wrestle me. She said, okay. So then whenever it came to show the show night, um, we actually had uh, Robbie E. come, and he was uh, helping out training and everything, you know. And um, whenever it was time for her to show him what she could do, it was just, it it was terrible. Like, I mean, it, it was really terrible. Like, I try not even to remember that day. It was all, like, just cat fighting, rolling around, and I was just like, you really think that this is wrestling? And somehow she kept on uh, getting bookings from different places, and then the promoters would see how she is, and it was just like, oh, my God, just please get out of our business, you know, because she didn't even have to do anything, you know. She told me she never had to set up chairs, tear down rings, just everything that you just named off of. She never had to do that. But now I really don't think that she's even in the business anymore, which, I mean, that is great. And I hate being like that, you know, but it's just like don't try to come into a wrestling business and thinking that just cat fighting and trying to look pretty can do you justice because it won't. And I mean, yeah, and it's to a, me, it's like, the people thing, how many, you know, you're absolutely right, and it's sad how many people think that they can just walk into the business and either just make money or, you know, have a good career when they really don't have the, the love. You know, that's why I always tell people, you've got to have the love for the business. Same thing with comic books. If you don't have the love for what you're doing, you're never going to be completely happy because you're never going to get the kind of success that you should, you know, succeed with. And, you know, some of these guys that, you know, like Brock Lesnar, you know, people like to get on him, but, you know, the guy really did work his ass off to get where he did get to. So it's not like he just got a free pass. You know, he did a lot of, you know, really heavy-duty stuff to get where he was. It's the people, like you said, who just, you know, because they're good-looking, can just walk in and get, you know, on the card and, and make money and, and pretty much do whatever they want. They don't last long. And, you know, it, it's a testament to the fact that, you know, again, people think you can just walk into any industry and make money. And, you know, that actually brings up a, a good subject. And that is, who would you say is your all-time favorite performers, male and female? And it could be of all time if you want. It doesn't have to be of just like today. That is super, super hard because I get asked that a lot. And it's just like, well, you know, I have a long list of people that I like. But, I mean, my favorite female would probably be Natalia. And male, that is super, super hard. I like Rick Rude. And, um, you know, I really don't know. I guess it would just be those two. Well, and I do like Shawn Michaels. I can... He's kind of hot to me. But other than that, I mean, he's really good. <laughs> but, um, yeah. <laughs> so, Shawn Michaels is probably one of my favorites also. 
Well, I can't fault you for any of them because they're all they're all definitely worthy. I, you know, I, I said this on a show before where I called Rick Rude a Hall of Famer, and I know he's not a WWF Hall of Famer, even though he rightfully should be. But I'm pretty sure he's in Hall of Fames, you know, in other places. Oh yeah, he's in my Hall of Fame. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> It's just one of those guys, you know, like that's something that I think in the 80s, a lot of us, uh, you know, younger uh, generation fans, you know, who loved all the good guys and were so enamored with the Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man, we didn't really appreciate, and the Ultimate Warriors, we didn't really appreciate how great Rick Rude was because the guy was cut beyond belief and he was one of the best in-ring performers of his time. And just the the personality the guy was able to hone, you know, throughout the territory system and just come up there, all right, for all you fat, overweight, like, just like <laughs> totally berate the audience and people would hate it, but you look back on it years later and you love it because it's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, and I try to base my personality, like, off of him whenever I'm healed because I try to be, like, that cocky and, and that, I mean, I love it. I loved his personality. I think that was one of the biggest things about him that everybody will remember is his personality of how just cocky he was. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing people remember is that uh, that porn mustache that he sported so eloquently. Oh, definitely. Definitely. (laughs) That really had a pretty awesome mustache. (laughs) I'm sorry. I can never get over that. I love Rick Rude. I I can even get past the mullet. Oh, man, yeah, he had the whole, like, porn star look going on for him, to the mullet and the mustache. (laughs) And the mullet I can get past, but the mustache, it's like, at some point, I'm just like, really? And then when he shaved it, it looked completely different. Yeah, I know. Just like whenever he put his hands behind his head and then, like, you know, roll his hips and then had, like, the little duck face going on also. It was just like, oh, God. (laughs) It's like he's trying to be, you know, attractive, but can be, you know, like repulsive at the same time. Yeah, exactly. You know, actually, his personality kind of reminds me of Sarah's. That's who I would base her personality off of because she tries to, she like tries to be cocky and everything. And she knows that people hate her when she does it. So she does it even more. Well, you know, it's too bad that, she, that we didn't hear from her today because I know she was really looking forward to this interview. Um, she said she had some choice words for you, and I know exactly what that means. But uh, oh. <laughs> I guess we'll have to, you know, bring you on another time. You know what we'll do is we'll have you call in on a day when she's not expecting you, and you can just lay into her. Oh, yeah. Man, we would have a lot of fun. <laughs> Definitely look forward to that. Because she and I, I mean, we're pretty, you know, pretty good friends, even though we hate each other also, but in the ring but yeah we would have a lot of fun i know i was kind of looking forward to her because i was so excited that i was going to be her first interview well you always can be because if she joins us next week i'm going to hit you up and send you a message and say call in hurry up (laughs) oh yeah but i had to be the first person she talks to that's the thing the first female I think that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna plan that out. And even though she can listen to this episode and hear us plotting against her, it doesn't mean she's gonna know when and where it's gonna happen. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I would look forward to that. So. Well, I definitely wanted to uh, thank you for joining us. I know that you know things didn't go according to plan. I was really looking forward to uh, you know her interviewing you because she's got you know she knows you a lot better than I do. She has a lot more insights. Uh, but again, you know we'll have you on the show again, hopefully very soon. And uh, is there anything that you wanted to uh, plug really quick before we uh, head out here? Uh, any you know appearances you got coming up? Any matches or anything you want to let our listeners know about? Sure. Um, 
Oh, wow. i got a lot coming up, but I can't name them off the top of my head. But January 10th, I will be in Independence, Mississippi, and I will be wrestling Sarah. Um, January 17th, I'll be in Clarksdale, Mississippi, wrestling Diana Taylor. And January 24th, I'll be in Veda, Mississippi. And um, February, I'll be having customs tapings for UWW. And for anybody that wants to send in their uh, customs, be sure to send them in to ultimatewomenswrestling.com and you can look at the site so you can pick off the roster who you want me to wrestle. And I wrestle male or female, it does not matter. I will take on anybody. So be sure to do that. And the cutoff date will be on the website also. So that's mostly it. And where can uh, people find you in uh, social media, you know, Twitter, Facebook? I totally forgot about that. Um Twitter, you know, I really don't understand that. I say that every time that I'm on a radio show. I don't know which name I'm supposed to give. Is it the one with the at sign? Uh, Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then that makes perfect sense. Um, It's at at the real Paris Kelly. That's on Twitter. And I have a like page on Facebook, Paris Kelly. And then you can send me a friend request for Paris Kelly on Facebook. And I don't do any of that Instagram stuff. I don't understand it. You and me both, because <laughs> I don't even bother yeah. with it. But, uh, again, I want to thank you so much for joining us. And uh, definitely, you know, when you have some free time in the future, you know, we'd love to have you back on again. You can give us some updates and uh, definitely let us know what uh, what you got planned in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, thank you. Happy New Year to you. And uh, hopefully, again, we'll, uh, we'll have you on again to uh, give a, a nice little surprise to Sarah Summers. I know. I'm, I'm upset with her. I'm going to have to talk to her about this. She's right on her Facebook and just blast her. <laughs> no, I'm going to. Right when I get off of here, I'm going to do that. So. I'll, I'll probably yeah. join you. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for having me on, and I'm looking forward to the next one. Us too. Thank you so much again, and I hope you have a great night. And again, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Thank you so much. Hey, bye. All right, folks. Well, there we have it. Jeremy Clark and Paris Kelly. So we've now had interviews, our first two interviews of 2015. Unfortunately, we were not joined by the all-star Amazon Sarah Summers. I will get in contact with her. Hopefully, we'll find out what's going on. So we're going to cut the show a little bit early today. uh, But really quickly, I just wanted to let you guys know that my picks for the NFL playoffs, uh, I'm really, really, you know, kind of reluctant to do this because every time I pick my Lions, they lose. But uh, I'm going to do it anyway. And uh, I'm going to go with the Lions. I'm, I'm going to pick the Detroit Lions to upset the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. Uh, I believe that's Sunday at 4.40 p.m. Eastern is when that game starts. Uh, the other NFC game, I, I'd love to pick my Cardinals, but i got to go with the Panthers. Um, unfortunately, with the Panthers, you know, they're just a team that, uh, you know, they're, they're just kind of hitting the, the right mark at the right time. So I'm going to go with them. I'm also going to go with the Ravens over the Steelers and the Bengals to lose to the Colts. Uh, also, you know, we wanted to talk a little bit about the WWE and the authority returning. I already talked about that a little bit, so, you know, I'll touch on it again next week when Sarah's on and we have a little bit more time and, you know, we can touch in a little bit more about what happened and, you know, the really stupid way that they made it happen. Uh, so, uh, again, I wanted to thank everybody who listened today. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Jeremy Clark and Paris Kelly, for joining us. I wanted to let everybody know that we are available for free download on iTunes, and we will hopefully – in the next few weeks, have some surprise guests that we will be announcing. We've already established a couple of guests for February, so we'll keep you guys updated on that. And you can check us out on Facebook. 
the CAC Show. We are on Twitter, at the CAC Show. And if you get a chance, give our page a like. So we will see you guys next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern when we are joined by Cody Daniels, who's actually uh, the significant other of Paris Kelly, who we just interviewed, and our good friend Kate Carlton, who did the sketch and uh, design logo for the CAC show. So, again, thanks, everybody. Happy New Year, and we will see you next week.